Well, good morning. My name is Ryan, and I'm one of the pastors here at Fort Worth Prez. And if you're visiting us, I just want to say again, welcome. We're glad you're here. We know there are a lot of options, a lot of good options even in the Fort Worth area. But we're glad you're with us this morning. Um, if you brought a Bible, go ahead and open it to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Uh, we're continuing in our series on the Lord's Prayer. And we'll be looking at what you've already heard of as the fourth petition, which might be a strange way to refer to, give us this day our daily bread. And that's, the, that's what we're going to look at this morning um, for our time. Now, while, while I will be focusing on that text, we will use this proverb here that I'll read for us uh, for guidance, and it will also serve as our reading scripture for uh, this morning. So let's give our attention to the reading of God's Word, also found in the book of Proverbs Chapter 30, verses 7 to 9. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you. And say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Let me pray and ask God to teach us his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this morning, and we pray that you would do a miracle, and by a miracle that you would soften hardened hearts, that you would create in us a soil that would receive your word and that it would produce a fruit, and that we would leave here changed people. So at this time, would you give us eyes and ears to see and hear what we cannot see and hear otherwise. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Well, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a reformed, uh, reformed Baptist pastor in the 19th century in England, is quoted as saying, It is not how much we have, but how much we enjoy that makes happiness. It is not how much we have, but how much we enjoy that makes happiness. And as we come out of praying, thy will be done, which is what we looked at last week, we receive, in one sense, its first test. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And what we are really praying for here, which is sustenance and life for the day, is also contentment for the things that he gives us. And as we'll see, it is contentment that makes this prayer so very difficult. God will give us our daily bread, but will it be enough for us? And hidden inside that question is all that we've actually already prayed God, are you my father? Are you truly good? Do you know what's best for me? And can I trust that? Because at the heart of praying for daily bread is believing that God knows my need better than I do. And only when we are convinced of that can contentment in this life be found. So for our points this morning, I want us to see that because we, be, we depend on God for all things, we must also ask him for all things, including what is most ordinary, which is bread. And this topic is massive. It, it gives us more questions than it does answers. So my points aim to give us both boundaries but direction as we learn to pray this petition in the Lord's Prayer. And we'll do that by looking at how we ask for daily bread, both in plenty and in want, how we ask for daily bread uh, for ourselves, but also for others as well, and then how we ask for daily bread in need and in want. Okay? So let's look at that first point. We ask for daily bread in plenty 
and in want. First, we need to define this term, what is daily bread? And if you begin to sort of research this and try to figure out what this is, you begin to understand really quickly why this petition is so difficult. Is daily bread just a metaphor for what we need spiritually? Or is Jesus really talking about grain here? Can the God who created all things, who sustains all things, and upholds all things by his power really be concerned with our mundane, ordinary needs as human beings? And if he is, is daily bread just what is needed to live today? Or can I ask for health or vacation homes? What is bread here, and what am I exactly praying for? Well, on its most basic level, bread is all food. Okay, so we're going to start there. Bread is all food. It is what we need to get through the day. As one commentary puts it, it's need, not desire. Okay, it's need, not desire. At the same time, daily bread is God's good gifts to his people. So one definition of daily bread can be our ordinary askings for what will sustain us physically this day. But it's also the good things that he just gives us because he's good. And herein lies the challenge. But whatever that is, whatever daily bread becomes, as we'll navigate and see in this sermon, we have to ask for it. We must still ask. And that's one of the points of the prayer itself, that no one, either rich or poor, is somehow removed or graduates beyond asking the Lord for daily bread. We are all to do it because we are all what? Dependent upon God for everything. And that, friend, suggests a posture or an attitude. It is need. It is dependence, as we've been saying all along, which is what drives prayer to begin with. And we ask for these things in plenty and in want. At the same time, as we see in the wisdom of the proverb that we read, which gives us boundaries in saying that we should desire actually neither riches nor poverty. So it helps to shape what we pray for and, and what to expect when it comes to daily bread. But it's here that we can then move to the spiritual component of daily bread and what it points to, and that is our spiritual poverty in which we need and depend on, great, on the grace of God in Jesus Christ daily. The Lord's Prayer was was. was Particularly, well, the Lord's Prayer was prayed for or prayed usually in the mornings. And part of this was because that as you prayed this prayer and certainly this petition and you went out throughout your day and found yourself eating, then you would pray and you would recognize, wow, the Lord is actually answering prayer right here, right now. That that is actually happening, that my daily bread, as it were, is supplied. But at the same time, the answer of daily bread does what? It reminds us of another type of bread, the bread of life that we have received in Jesus. Bread is both material and spiritual then in a sense. Today, praying for daily bread and giving thanks means that when I pull out of the drive-thru or when I order a Chipotle burrito from my phone, God's provision has been supplied. And see, those in need understand that. But what about those in plenty? Yes, we may have next month's bread secure, but do we see that all the factors that make that so are also from the Lord's hand? Yes, I can go to six, seven, eight different grocery stores, and I can buy butternut squash kale chips. But who makes that truly possible? 
And more to the point, who receives that glory? How you answer that question does determine your posture or attitude as you go throughout your day. It is one of need and dependence, one of versus one of pride or self-reliance. This is how the prayer gives us direction. Calvin puts it this way. The fact that we ask that it, meaning daily bread, be given to us signifies that it is a simple and free gift of God, however it may come to us, even when it would seem to have been obtained from our own skill and diligence and supplied by our own hands. For it is by his blessing alone that our labors truly prosper. In other words, all comes from the hand of God, friends, whether obtained by your own skill and diligence or not. We ask for daily bread and plenty and in want because we never move away from needing God as his children. Now, the danger that the proverb speaks towards of our wealth, to use that as an example this morning, then is that what happens with such wealth is that it moves us in the direction to what? To forget God, right? I mean, when our cupboards are this full and our refrigerators are this full, who really stops and asks God seriously for daily bread? So we forget him and we stop depending on him altogether. But the prayer's design is that we would not do that. And so whether your cupboards are full or empty this morning, the call is to pray for that daily bread every day because it signifies your dependence upon him as a child of God. This is the first thing, that we ask for daily bread in plenty and in want. Second, we ask for daily bread for ourselves, but also for others as well. As you notice, the prayer does not read, give me this day my daily bread. The pronouns are important. Give us this day our daily bread. And in this way, there is a social component to the petition that we just don't ask for our needs to be met, but we ask for the needs of others to be met too. As much as the prayer should get the focus off of ourselves and into relationship with God himself, it aims, what, to put our circumstances in perspective and also to broaden our concerns beyond just ourselves or even our family. How does it do that? How does asking for daily bread put our circumstances in perspective? Well, just to use an example, you can't go to Antigua, Guatemala and go visit uh, the, the, the farming community who live in you know, just one room dirt floor houses on the side of the mountain on one day and then get frustrated for God not supplying daily bread when your local Whole Foods is out of your thin, slim, carb-free bread, right? It offers us perspective. Again, the big picture is at play. I can be frustrated on one level because we're having leftovers again. But then when I pass by or understand that there are people even in my own town and community who do not go or do not have food today, those leftovers, what? Those become a blessing. God is good. Thank you for these things. It's perspective. But what about those who don't have daily bread? Praying for our daily bread then means that I must care about the daily bread of others as well. And it broadens my concerns beyond just myself and just my family. And that is a big component of the prayer. The reformer Martin Luther believed that praying for our daily bread was to pray for a, quote, prosperous and just social order. He went that far with it, which I, 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 I agree with him. What Luther means then, according to one pastor, is that for all to get daily bread, there must be a thriving economy, 
good employment, and a just society. And what Jesus desires then, when we pray this prayer uh, aloud or together or by ourselves, is not only to keep our circumstances in perspective, but to pray against and work towards any injustice or exploitation that would prevent what? Good business, trade, and labor from taking place, which would then crush the poor and deprive them of their daily bread. It's a bigger vision. So one, when you pray for our, our, our daily bread, right? Pray for the economy. Pray for jobs and for a just working environment. But to do this, and this is sort of the underlying point that is easily missed in this prayer, requires that you know something about those that you pray for. What their lives are like. What their economies are like. Ultimately, it means their concerns and needs and burdens what become our concerns and needs and burdens. Visiting with a friend, native of Venezuela, she shared how her family had to leave the country because of the state of the economy and government. And that could send us off in one direction, right? Getting on our hobby horses of sorts. I'll let you choose what that might be. But what the prayers actually cause us to do is to include our brothers and sisters in Venezuela in asking for their daily bread. Lord, create a place, an economy where there are jobs and a way so that families and people can provide for themselves. Praying for daily bread now means and involves praying for those people. But to do that, you have to know something about the world outside of your own life and existence. In our church, we take meals to people who maybe are sick or even those who have had children. If someone in this place were to find out that a a member even uh, had no food, and could not eat, uh, I guarantee no, you know, no less than 20 casseroles would show up at that house that afternoon. And that can only happen, though, if we know something about one another. Praying for our daily bread has a then neighbor component to it. But much like the needs for those here, how can we act if we do not know the needs of our neighbors? To pray for our daily bread actually forces us to press into the lives of those around us so that we can do all that we can to make this prayer a reality. Peter Kreeft says this. He says, why did God institute prayer in the first place? Why didn't he simply supply us with all of our needs without waiting to be asked? For the same reason an earthly father doesn't. To give us the gift of freedom, of being co-causes in our own fulfillment and in the fulfillment of others. I would say it this way. I'd say God doesn't supply us with all of our needs, but instead bids us to ask to keep us rejoicing in him and not in the gift itself. How much more when God allows us then to deliver, to be a deliverer of his good gifts to others in need as answer to prayer for daily bread. Asking for our daily bread is not just asking for my bread and well-being but the daily needs of others and the economic conditions that help supply that bread. In this way, our circumstances are put into perspective and it broadens what our concerns beyond just ourselves and our family. So we ask for our daily bread both in plenty and in want, and we ask for our daily bread not just for ourselves but for others as well. Lastly, we ask for needs and wants. God promises our needs, but he invites us to ask for our wants too. 
And as we come out of praying, thy will be done, we submit ourselves to receiving in life what God thinks and knows is best for us. This means that we pray for our daily bread. As we do that, we trust that he actually knows what I need better than I know what I need. All right, let me say that again. When we pray for this, we actually trust that God knows what we need better than we know what we need. Uh, Peter Kreeft again, he says, Christ does not specify what needs we are to pray for. We are to give God the blank check that is our daily bread. He knows what we need. And the very first thing we need is to keep that fact firmly in mind. Friends, God knows what we need. This is, this is the aim of this petition, to live out of that. If we need evidence of this, we look to Jesus and nowhere else. God knew what you needed. He knew what I needed way before we even knew what we needed. And he supplied it. As John chapter 6 says, Jesus is the bread of God who has what? Come down from heaven. To say that God gives us what we need then is understood in the context of covenant, which is a big word, I know, but it just means a promise that he's made to us. It's understood, our needs are understood in the context of covenant. He has promised to give us what we need, and we find all and more than in Jesus Christ. Calvin, again, those who rely upon God have once for all cast out that anxiety about the care of the flesh, immediately expect from him greater things, even salvation and eternal life. In other words, what Calvin is saying is that the fulfillment of God's covenant promise to us in Jesus means that we are now to expect so much more than anything we could pray for here. Again, it brings perspective, but it also brings peace for what we know lies in the future for us. There is no thing greater in this life that you need than salvation and eternal life. There is no greater thing. And that, friends... That work is finished. It's done. That's why we mean it's a context of which we ask for our needs and our wants. But this truth too, what? It trickles down into the ordinary of our lives where we wake each day, hands open before God in a posture of dependence, asking for daily bread, trusting that God truly knows what we need. And if he doesn't supply what we are asking, then I trust that it is for my good and well-being. Because if he can give us salvation, friends, then he can handle daily bread. For daily proof of this, God says, consider the lilies and the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? God knows you, and he knows what you need. And knowing that God knows what we need, that is all that we need to remember. But it's here then in the context of covenant that he does invite us to ask as well. And this gets to probably where most of our questions lie. It is in the context of this covenant that he invites us to ask and to ask for the things that we want, not just the things that we think we might need. So what do you want God to give you then outside of his very own son, outside of the gift of eternity, And that's not really a joke, and that's not me guilting you about that. That's actually the proper context which this prayer sets us in to ask for those things. 
Because what this prayer does say is, it says, ask. So what do you want? What do you want from God? Ask for it. And link press send. You want a vacation home? Ask for it. You want money? He says, ask for it. You want health? You want to feel better today than you did yesterday? Ask for it. Will he give it? I don't know. He might. He might not. He might hold those gifts from you until, what, you're with him in glory. But here's the thing. Does it change what he has given you already? Does it change what he has given you already? No. And that's the context, friends, of asking for both our needs and our wants. So ask for it and be thankful that when the trumpet sounds and Jesus descends and the new heavens and the new earth are here, those longings and those desires and those wants will be but faint memories, if not forgotten, of what stands before us. But ask anyway, because we depend on God for all things. And if it sounds like I'm asking you to pray for health and wealth, it doesn't. I'm just trying to get you to ask for something, because that's what the prayer is doing. And this gets to the end of our, our, our points here and moves into the application that I want to spend the rest of our time on, which is really centered around one question. Why don't we ask? Why don't we ask for daily bread? And that may be an assumption on my part, but I hope to prove to you that it probably isn't. Why don't we ask for our needs and our wants? Why don't we ask when we are in plenty? And of course, we can say that our wealth, if we're going to assume and agree that we are all in this room wealthy compared to the world standards, our wealth does cause us to forget. It is so hard to pray for daily bread when the cupboards are full. I get that, but I think there's something more going on. And I would suggest that at the core of this prayer, if we are honest, is an invitation to find contentment in God and not in things. And that, friends, scares us to death. That what actually keeps us from asking God for daily bread is not, can we be content with what God gives us, but I don't really want to find out. So we don't pray for it. And therefore, we need God to change us, which is the object of prayer, as we'll see in the coming weeks. We need, we need God to change us. And so three ways that he needs to do this as we close out this petition. First way he needs to change us is to stop seeing bread, to get us to stop seeing daily bread as, quote unquote, mere daily bread, meaning that's all he is going to give us and to start seeing it as living independence on my heavenly father who would love me enough to root the greed out of my own heart before it destroys me and sends me to hell. Calvin, again, told you he's great on on prayer. We are not content with mere daily bread, so we pray the prayer and we what? Ask him what we do not wish to receive. In this way, we cover up our propensity to greed. While true prayer ought to pour out before him the whole mind itself and whatever lies hidden within. In other words, the prayer calls for honesty, friends. Honesty. Are you willing to allow what God gives us to be our portion? Are we willing for that to be enough? Can we be content with the very thing that we are asking for? 
And this is where the word daily in that petition is so key. Because its aim is to bridle the uncontrolled desire for fleeting things. With which we commonly burn without measure. God in his goodness is, is, is trying to keep us contained, as it were, for today because he knows that, that we will just keep thinking about what, what more we want tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Daily, he draws us back to what is important and what is before us for our own good and our own safety. And he knows this because we are people who will always want more. What is that famous John Rockefeller quote, how much is enough? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. The daily bread, it puts boundaries on our desires that can never be quenched. So we need to pray for God to change us. That he would change me that I might not see um, your care for me in daily bread as mere daily bread. And examine my heart and the fear I have that this is all that you would give me. And ask that I might find contentment in what you see is best for me. This is the first way he needs to change us. To stop seeing daily bread as just mere daily bread. But what is best for us. The second way we need, to, we need God to change us is so that we would begin to invite God into all of our decision making. And here's what I mean by that. Another reason we don't pray for daily bread is because we, in, in one sense, and especially in our culture, we feel a little selfish praying for things like new clothes or vacation homes. We're not supposed to do that, right? So here's what happens. We don't pray for them. Instead, we work for them. And this is a travesty. Why? Because we exclude God from our life when he wants all of us. And that's another aim of the prayer. It's like a marriage where one spouse shares 90% of themselves but keeps the other 10% hidden. Instead, what we should be doing is what God desires from us, which is to bring him into all decisions going on in our hearts. It is to be content with the spouse you have in one sense. And so true prayer is to pour out before God the whole mind and whatever lies hidden within. You want a vacation home? Ask for it. Go back to that illustration. Ask for it. Tell God about it, right? Don't pray for daily bread, but then carve out a life over here where you're just going to go ahead and work for it because somehow that that makes it okay and entitles you to it. Paul Miller, in his book on a praying life, puts it this way. God delights in giving his children good gifts, including vacation homes. But he wants to be a part of all the decisions we make. He wants our material needs, and this this is key. He wants our material needs to draw us into our soul needs. This is what it means to abide, to include him in every aspect of our lives. But here's the challenge. We never discern God's will alone, do we? No, we don't. Therefore, to bring God into our askings is to bring them before fellow believers. Which means, you want a vacation home? Great, who in your church have you asked about that for, with? Who have you talked to in your church about that? Who have you allowed to come in and ask the hard questions to search your motives? 
Who gets to help you work through need versus desire? Who gets to help you work towards contentment? And maybe it is a great thing that the Lord is blessing you and others with, but who gets to help you discern that? Talk about taboo, right? Most of us would rather die than bring someone into our financial plans and decisions. This is why the Western church, if it is a slave to anything, it is a slave to greed. We are quick to go to someone about our anger. We are even quicker maybe even to go to someone about our lust, perhaps. But we will never open our books to anyone about our spending habits and our askings. And in this way, we cut off, friends, the very branch we are sitting on that is our asking for daily bread. Because, well, what I do with my money is my business. I don't have to pray for it and seek the counsel of God through all believers. I will just work for it. And in that way, it'll be okay. Friends, this prayer is saying in, in so many different ways, Jesus, your spouse, just wants to be included in all the decisions you make. His death for you on a cross gives him that right, let alone that he is the giver and the creator of all things to begin with. So we need to pray, Father, by your Holy Spirit, change me so that I would invite you into all of my decision-making. Give me the courage and the strength to open my entire life to you. After all, you know what I need and your ways are better than mine. And if he says no to that asking, if he says no to that need and to that want, I trust it is for my well-being. Oh, and by the way, I still have Jesus. Lastly, we shy away from asking for daily bread because prayers like these, again, according to Paul Miller, invite God to rule over our lives. They call us to vulnerability, and we do not like that. And it's here that daily bread truly is the first test of thy will be done. Will we let God be God, or are we going to continue to keep ourselves enthroned? Will we allow him to rule over us, or will we continue to rule ourselves? Will we move into vulnerability or will we fight for control? Right? Not asking God, not bringing him into the petitions of our life and our askings, our wants and our desires even, but just carving out a little space here for ourselves because we can just work for it. When we are serious about praying for daily bread, we become honest about the fears of God just giving us only mere bread. And we fight the bifurcated life of saying the prayer for some things while simply working for other things that we really want. And in so doing, we invite God to rule over all of us, which is where, friends, contentment in this life is found. We ask for daily bread in plenty and in want. We ask it for ourselves, but also for others as well. And we ask for our needs and wants because we depend on him for everything. And we do that knowing that in the end and in life and in death, we have Jesus, friends. And isn't that enough? I'll close with another Spurgeon story. He tells of a time when he is visiting someone in a poor section of London, someone from his church. And on his way, he passed by a window. 
We saw this woman, uh, this elderly woman, in, in her apartment, and all she had in this apartment was a chair, a table, and a little coal, and the fire on this very, very cold day. And there was sitting on top of that table, he describes, a loaf of bread. And as she began to say grace, she looked at that bread, and she looked at that table, and she said, all this, and Jesus too, right? All of this, and Jesus too? May we not forget the big picture in the midst of our asking and certainly in the midst of our receiving of daily bread. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for really uh, the, the almost unfathomable idea that you would invite us to ask for grain um, and how it is so much more picture of your desire to be in relationship with us. And you know the things that tug at our hearts. You know the greed that's there. You know uh, the things that we want that we're, that we're not really sure we can even ask for. And the tragedy of that is that it just separates us. And so I pray that in, in the coming weeks and even months as we as a church pray this prayer, that it wouldn't just become uh, just noise or, or, or something that we've heard over and over again, but it would actually draw us into a deeper relationship with you because it means that we are calling you to rule over our lives and that we are learning to be content with what you would have for us this day. Would you do that for us? We pray this in your son's name. Amen.